Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of TCK's Premier League podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, Polly Questel, and Elliot Niblock. Uh, we're back after the international break. Uh, we decided to take some time off, and uh, now we're back. We're going to talk a little bit about England's World Cup qualifiers and all the hula baloo surrounding a certain captain. And then we'll take a look at some of the games here for the weekend in the Premier League and give our scoring predictions. But first and foremost, weather update. Uh, Cincinnati, partly cloudy, pretty nice outside. Getting cold in New York, but it's going to be 80 degrees next week, so. Nice. Yeah, 80 it's degrees. cold and chillier. Nice. Well, I mean, hockey started, so I don't mind if it gets cold. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Because inside the arena, it's freezing. Oh, get out of here. Oh, it's so cold. Yeah, that, that used to be the absolute worst living in Phoenix and going to the games. And it's, like <laughs> it's not nine, that cold 90, in there. 95 degrees outside. And then you get in and, you know, I was lucky enough that I was sitting in the press box, but we were right underneath those goddamn ACs and it was just so cold. Yeah, it's but like, like half the places. Cool. Although I will say at the garden, people do bring gloves like for typing. Yeah, your your fingers get a little cold. I can see that. I, mean, I don't want. I'm not a salty. But down in Phoenix, man, like half the places are over air conditioning to be almost that cold anyway. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, you always get a cold during summer, always because you go outside, it's sweltering, and then you get go anywhere, and people are just blasting the AC. I know the. The commuter tram there, probably like 45 degrees. Let's be honest, though. They don't keep it cold enough that if Arsenal were in the building, they'd start falling apart. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You nailed it. Yep. The, the hot go. takes early on here, huh? Yep. <laughs> okay, so let's, you nailed it. Yep. let's uh, start off with England's World Cup qualifiers. They took a 2 none. 2-0 victory over Malta, and then they were held to a scoreless draw by Slovenia. Um, yeah, we're starting this one. Let's start with the Malta game. R- Wayne Rooney played in that one. They won it 2-0. It, you know, they did what they needed to. I mean, Malta basically just parked everyone in their own penalty area and said, try to score, which they did. Um, but then he was dropped for the game against Slovenia, and everybody was like, oh, now England's going to kick on and oh, they're going to be so much better without Wayne Rooney in the side and blah, blah, blah. And then they were held to a scoreless draw. So how is the scoreless draw against Slovenia Wayne Rooney's fault? Because it has to be, right? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's that's leading the witness a little bit, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> I mean, do, but do we think that he's really being hard done by? You know, I mean... He's in a run of bad form. It's just... Yes. He's in a run of bad form, yes. right? He's... And, like, he has the media scrutinizing him to, like, there's no tomorrow. You know what he needs? You know what would be best for Wayne Rooney right now? A vacation. An ankle injury that keeps him out for six weeks. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I, I think that's actually that's accurate. He... I mean, but, I, I don't know. The thing is that he's been, like, under the microscope in the English national team for a decade, and because he I just, was their only dynamic player. I know, I know. I mean, and I just, I, I mean, I'm, I, I think I'm agreeing with you, Paulie. Well, not just in the terms of that he could stand to be forced out from injury, so people are constantly questioning his omission from the squad just because he's in poor form. But also, it's just to me, it, it seems like kind of the intense scrutiny that he's always had that's now just ramped up because he's getting towards the twilight of his career. And so everybody wants to be the first to be like, oh, well, I told you that he was on the out. I knew it was going to be his last game. And it's just, uh, I, I think it's it's a little over the top. Although, that said, I also think that Jermaine Defoe's suggestion that he should do cryotherapy is likewise over the top. Yoga? Maybe. Yeah, I, I have no problem if he wants to really, you know, change his lifestyle and everything, sort of like what Ryan Giggs did to prolong his career, that's fine. But we got to acknowledge the fact that he's not the same player he was when he was 23. You know, that's just the facts. But to have Rooney become the scapegoat for England not being able to play as a team, 
that's where I draw a line because I think right. that so the problems that everybody's shitting Rooney on Rooney. There, the, the problems that Rooney that England had before Rooney got there are still the problems that they have now, and now it's Rooney's fault. Mm-hmm. Remember, do you remember in 2000, 2010, 2011, when he started out the season so miserably and he had that contract issue, he had the hooker scandal, he had the contract issue, and he was really bad, and then he got hurt, and he missed like six to eight weeks. The fans hated him, and then he came back, and he had an amazing finish to the season. In the second half, he was unbelievable. He had like 11 goals, 11 assists in the second half of the season. United won the title. It's the same thing right now. He needs, he needs to get injured, get some time off, just regroup, recuperate, let United, you know, kind of – find their way without him so that when he comes back, it's you plug him in and, and it works and there's less pressure on him. But the most ridiculous part about this is let's go back to February to before Marcus Rashford. Why did Marcus Rashford get his chance to play? Because Anthony Martial got hurt in warmups. Martial is starting at striker. Why? Because like a week before that, Rooney got hurt. Mm-hmm. Rooney got hurt in the middle of a great run of form. He had scored like in – like four or five consecutive games and they said he would be out for eight to ten weeks in the middle of february and all of a sudden the entire country was like oh my god rooney might miss euro 2016 what are we going to do and then when you actually did the math and you're like wait a minute he's going to be back in the middle of april he's he'll be there but remember that when he got injured the entire country was was reacting like what are we going to do without Rooney and then he comes back and now you have this Rashford kid and Rooney's got to learn a new position and all of a sudden now the entire everybody hates him so it's it's kind of ridiculous how fast they turned on Rooney you forget that when he actually got hurt people were freaking out that he would be out yeah and I mean and England yes they have some they've had hubris for a long time they've had (laughs) a bunch of really talented players but they never been able to you know go all the way as a team and and that's the well, problem you played that... Paul on the left side because you had Gerard and Lampard and thought that would be a good idea like yeah it's and it's not so much that you dropped Rooney and and you know you drop Rooney because uh maybe you don't like him as a midfielder and you have far better strikers than him fine mm-hmm. um but then you played I missed the Malta game but I saw the 90 minutes of Slovenia of that I wish I had in my life back. I thought I was done. <laughs> I thought I was done watching that kind of crap when Louis Van Hall got fired. You replaced him with Jordan Henderson. I mean, really? Jordan Henderson is the guy that you picked to replace Rooney. Jordan Henderson is the most average player, and he is he is everything that is wrong with England. It's a player no. who is English. <laughs> He came up, he got hyped, the media loves him. His name is far bigger than what his actual on-field performance can give you. And England think that they have a player here, but compared to anybody else in his position from any other country, he's significantly inferior. And if you're relying on him to create things from the midfield, um, you're in in deep cahooties. Jordan Henderson, the England captain. I mean, I compared him to my friends. I compared him to Michael Bradley. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, both of these, both of these guys, um, both of these guys, their names are far bigger than what they contribute on the field. Managers love them and are ready to put them in and then build the team around them. Every so often, they produce a moment of magic, so you know they're capable of it. But more often than not, they're very underwhelming, and they're very similar players. And I don't think Jordan Henderson is much better than Michael Bradley, and. The fact that if Michael Bradley were English, he could essentially be the captain of England, that's a scary (laughs) thought because England have way better players there. And part of the issue is they just won't use them. They're not ready to go there, and it's it's weird. All right, like your best striker, yes, started scored against Malta, but your best striker is starting the game on the bench because he came so out of nowhere that people didn't want to overhype him that people were almost afraid to use him. You take Jesse Lingard, and Jose Mourinho is – um, guilty of this too. You take Jose, Jesse Lingard, who is a right winger and only a right winger, and you play him on the left and you think, oh, that'll work. It doesn't work. And you you leave your best striker on on the bench. They're not afraid to play kids because they played John Stones back there and he was terrible. And I'm not going to criticize yeah, them. Yeah, but, but he's another player, I think, to your point though, Paulie, is he's another player who's been groomed 
before like before his ascent in the national team, right? Whereas Rashford just kind of burst onto the scene. Yes, but good for them for playing John Stones. He's terrible. He's making mistakes right now. <laughs> the hope is he learns from them. The hope is he learns from them because, look, England are going to win the group anyway. They're going to qualify for the World Cup. So you yes. might as well play Stones right now and let him learn and get these um, and make these mistakes because it's better to look to the future, to look at a player like John Stones and say, you're the future and we need to do this now rather than do what Sam Mauerdice did and say, well, Gary Cahill's not that great and Chris Smalling's hurt and Phil Jack Yelka's old, so let's call John Terry. Yeah, You know, it's better yeah. to say we're going to go with Stones right now and unless you are significantly better that I can't leave you out of the team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Stones. And you should be doing that unless Harry Kane and uh, Daniel Sturridge are, are scoring at such a nonstop pace, why not go with the guy who has more goals for club and country than any other English striker since he made his debut? Well, I, th- I think that Southgate went with Sturridge because that was the safe option. Right. You and, know, he was, and al- you know he was already you know creating headlines by dropping Rooney, so he didn't want more stuff to talk about. Well, yeah, but that's, with, I don't, I don't buy Rashford. that. He should have went with Rashford, period, before he dropped Rooney. You know, you're the interim manager. You get to make, you get to be bold. Because if it works, all of a sudden you look like a genius. And if not, you're just like, well, I'm the interim manager. Yeah, yeah and I, I don't, I, I'm sorry, Seb, but I totally don't buy that idea of like, well, I've already made waves by doing this. I better not do something else. No, screw that. Like, whether you're the, per- especially if you're the interim, but even if you're the permanent manager, like, the, Granted, I understand that in the modern in modern day football there is an incessant echo chamber in which all managers exist. I mean, and I understand the irony that we're recording a podcast about football talking about that echo chamber. But nonetheless, it it's it's hard to to just shut that noise out. But if you are a professional manager, that is your that is literally your job. Yes. And so I don't I I don't think that that should come in at all. I mean, now my question for you guys is, do you buy Southgate's comments afterwards and saying like, well, you know, we got a mess. We inherited a mess. So a point away from home is actually a win for us. Do you know what the problem is? The biggest problem England have other than all the other on the field issues and the United States should take note of this. The fans and the media control the team because Seb just said it. He played storage because it was safe. And, and Although both of us disagree with why he played Sturridge and that he shouldn't have done it, the truth is if he starts Rashford over over Sturridge, Seb's right. The media would have killed him, especially if it doesn't work. It would have been an uproar before the game, especially because England announced their team a day or two in advance. So you would have had so many stories before the game. And if it doesn't work, the media would kill him. The fans would kill him, which is why England, the fans essentially picked the team. You have to – it's news when Rooney gets dropped. Newsflash. Rooney's old. He can't play every game. If he's not one of your, if he doesn't make the best team, he shouldn't play. And that's exactly what Rooney did. He went up to the media uh, the day before the game, and he said, "Look, not everybody. Uh, you know, you you can't be undroppable forever. Everybody's human, and eventually you get to the point where you can contribute to the team, but not every game. And even that was headlines. And essentially, he did it. Like Seb said, why is it Wayne Rooney's fault? Even though they won the game where he did play, he drops him." He essentially did it because the media and fans are calling for it. Mm-hmm. And this is what keeps England in the same problem is your managers end up having to go with the same old England. They go with the same team. They don't look forward. They, they don't – like, good job that you're looking at John Stones instead of Jagielka and, and Cahill and Smalling. But you're not looking at Rashford. And, and good for you for, for looking at Lingard, but you're not looking at – but then you, you trot out Jordan Henderson, who, you know, he's whatever. In the first game, he trots out Theo Walcott. How many games do you have to watch Theo Walcott for England to realize he's never going to contribute at this level? Uh, that's not true. I remember he's him got eight goals in like sixty caps, and three of them are in one game. Like, come uh, on, get out of here. Okay, well, get four years ago, he did really well at the Euros, even though the team did not do great on the whole. But I, I mean, I am. <laughs> Paulie, you know me. I'm only begrudgingly backing Theo Walcott, even for clubs. Say nothing of country. I say nothing yeah. about this. I say nothing about this um, regarding clubs. I tend to throw out clubs when it comes to the England team. I enjoyed watching Steven Gerrard play for England. I try to forget clubs, and I just Theo Walcott. You know he doesn't do it for me. And if you're going to play him on the right and say we're going to throw out Jesse Lingard on the left because I need to throw out a young kid, but I'm not going to 
move Theo Walcott, where you put Lingard in a position to fail, just the way that Jose Mourinho did against Manchester City. And that's your – the, the main thing is is that they, they keep falling into this trap of they have to be England, and you can't make drastic changes to England because the fans and the media will kill you. So the fans and the media control that team, and it, it almost makes you respect Jurgen Klinsmann more for when the fans and the media are, are ready to, to slaughter him he defies them. He goes, you know, when they complain that he changed the yeah. team too much, he went into the Copa America and started the same team three games in a row and, and just stubbornly, even when fans said you need to make a change and the media said you need to make a change, he stubbornly just stuck with it because you can't let fans and the media control your team. Yeah, I agree with that. Before we, just real quick, because I know we've got to get to the Premier League, what do you make of uh, Bradley's comments, who, you know, recently appointed Premier League manager, about Klinsman pushing for his job, which Klinsman just, like, flat out denied? Because Klinsman could deny it. Bradley was the second choice guy at, at all times, and yeah. uh, the U.S. tried to sign Klinsman in 2006. They couldn't come to an agreement. They tried, Bradley's contract ended in 2010. And the U.S. tried to sign him again, and they couldn't come to an agreement. And in 2011, finally, Quinsman was like, you know what, I'll do it. And the U.S. just were like, all right, now we just need an excuse to fire Bob Bradley. And they're like, oh, we lost to Mexico. You're fired. <laughs> Did Bradley deserve to get fired? No, but the U.S. had no. a chance to get their guy, and they, they took it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's there is some truth to what he said, but also it was – I was, surpri- I was surprised so, to hear Bob Bradley say it, to be honest. Quinsman wasn't jockeying, quote unquote, for that yeah. position because if Quinsman wanted it, he would have had it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then he wanted it, and then he had it. Exactly. exactly. Yep. So England, they topped their qualification group uh, on seven points, two points ahead of Lithuania and Slovenia. So, um, see, like play the kids because you're dealing with Lithuania and Slovenia. Like yeah. you're gonna make the World Cup. Yeah, no, they have. You're gonna come crashing out hilariously because you're doing the same thing that you always do. Yeah, yeah, it's an extremely poor qualification group. Uh, They'll take on Scotland in their next qualifier here on November 11th, if I'm not mistaken, at Wembley. So we'll see if Scotland still has Gordon Strachan in place there too after their disappointing qualifiers so far. Uh, let's move on to the games here over the weekend. We'll start with Chelsea taking on Leicester at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea have they found their way now going with a three-men central line at the back. Paulie said they weren't going to do it, and they did. And they kept a clean sheet, too. That's a hot take, though. Yes. Have Chelsea found their way after a 2-0 win over Hull City? Yes. <laughs> I'm speaking defensively, though. Uh, Again, whole city. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's a formation that Conte is a lot more familiar with from his days with Italy and Juventus. I'm just questioning if they have the right... What Conte is familiar with? What are your players most familiar with? What do your players play best under? I feel like it could work. I'm just a little bit afraid when John Terry comes back that he's not going to be able to handle it i'm not afraid of that i i hope that happens (laughs) we're not talking about the england team anymore my club glasses my club goggles are back on okay um (laughs) i like thinking of uh, the being enamored of a a particular club and hating other clubs as analogous to drunk goggles yeah no because i I feel like victor moses did a great job as a wing you know i'm gonna yeah, what what'd you say, sir? If I Vic, that. Yeah, let's talk about the game now. So, Victor Moses did a great job as wing back. Then he got hurt, unfortunately. So, we're probably going to see Cesar Aspilicueta on that right wing back uh, side. So, wait, so Victor Moses yes. played wing back in that last game? Yes. I feel and like he I was, missed the last game. And he game. was good, too. That's such a. That's such an admission that, like, oh, we. It, this is ex- that's exactly what Antonio Valencia and Ashley Young are, because that's an admission of like we saw you play really well in the Premier League for a bad team, so we spent way too much money on you, bought you, and then you were like, oh, wait a minute, if you look at the good players we have, you're nowhere near their quality, <laughs> so now we're gonna move you back to like wing back. Yeah. 
God, that's I can't get a read on this game though. Like, look, Chelsea, the games before that, they got killed by Liverpool, they got killed by Arsenal. And to declare them back after a home win against Hull City, come on. Yeah. Let's let's be serious here. On the flip side, Leicester, what the what the hell's going on with them? Yeah. They, they, they I mean finally, they just haven't figured it out yet. They, oh, I guess they finally did. They finally looked like they did, and then they get killed by United. And what they do in their last game, I forgot what they did in their last game. But it, I think they like righted the ship. But it was, or they got a draw. Or... I guess you guys are going to remain quiet while I look this up. Yes. <laughs> Just total silence. Yep. Oh, they they got a nil nil draw against Southampton. So yes. it's like, are they back? Are they not? I don't know. I don't know. Like it's it's so hard to read this game. What I do look at is I look at that um, that EFL. You say EFL Cup. I say Carling Cup. Uh, against yeah, Chelsea, yeah, keep, keep calling it the sponsor of several years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I had some Look, I'm brand loyal. I'm brand loyal. Um, I still call it the Continental Airlines Arena, even though it's been the Izod Center for like ten years. Um, <laughs> yeah. They played their fringe players against Chelsea, who mostly played their first team, and they really it, it was two two at the end of ninety minutes. Yes, and then Cesc Fabregas took over, but it was you know Chelsea brought on Cesc Fabregas. That's that would be the equivalent of Leicester bringing on Morris, which they weren't going to do. So I I think in a in a with a full strength Leicester squad, it's a bit different. And yes, they have a they have an eye on the Champions League next week, but it's a home match against Copenhagen. You're already at the top of the group, so you know it's it's an eye on it, but it's not like the uh, we need to rest everybody for this because you are, are playing a little bit with the house's money in that game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they've done really good so far in the Champions League. They got that one nothing win over Porto. Uh, Slimani. And Copenhagen's second in the group. So if you got the win over Copenhagen, God, yeah. you're, you've got nine points right now. That You have three matches to essentially get a point. Yeah. Yeah, so they should go all out here against Chelsea. You know, the attacking trio there, Slimani, Vardy, and Morris, they're going to have to step right up for the Foxes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. And I, I feel like they haven't been as good defensively as they were last season. Kasper Schmeichel, not as good as he was last year. No, I, I he well, I mean, that certainly that's true thus far. I'm I'm really curious about Leicester City because I think that part of me feels that and I, I could be wrong, you know, again, with the club goggles i hope i'm wrong i hope that they bring it to chelsea but i just have this hunch that they're gonna have to drop a little farther before they find themselves and the pressure's off you know and then it's just like well they're not defending the title clearly and then with you know once again low expectations as they came into last season with then they will kind of flourish into the brilliant counter-attacking football that we all know they can play, but we haven't seen them execute thus far this season. Yeah, and I, I, it's easier to game plan for Leicester now, too. Yeah, totally. It, re- it really is. I know I know that you can always try to game plan, because when you saw them after 20 games last season, you're like, okay, well, this is how they play, and they do really well, but... Yeah, but then they were they played themselves into excellent form. Yes, and absolutely. I think that that's the big difference. Yeah, uh, the difference, uh, but also you have to remember this: it's not like Chelsea are going to be like, okay, let's Chelsea at home are not going to be like, let's give Leicester the ball so that they're uncomfortable. Chelsea yeah. are going to so that plays into Chelsea's hands, and now you have that new back, back three, and and Leicester looking to play very direct. That could get interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely could. I mean, I think this is a game that I really wish wasn't at five thirty a.m. tomorrow morning. Yo, what, can we like, what's up with the with the Premier League, like giving the best game now at seven thirty a.m. Eastern time, five thirty for Elliot, and kind of like just making good games on Monday and sometimes Friday, and just like giving us a pile of doo doo on Sunday. <laughs> The Sunday games have been just awful recently. Come on. you got to show everybody some love. But, like, I'll show you love. Like, you can have the 7.30 game, get the TV exposure at 7.30 on Sunday. I don't need – but, like, I just remember I had stuff to do the last the last match weekend. I had stuff to do Sunday morning, and I checked who was playing, and I was like, oh, okay, I can miss this. And then um, – this week, we got Middlesbrough, Watford, and Southampton, Burnley. Yeah, I'll be watching both of those. 
I mean, if I'm home, I'll be watching them because that's what I do on Sunday mornings. The same way that like I'll watch the NFL on Sunday afternoons just because that's what I do. But if I have something to do, I'm not going to be like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> it's just, it's, they're the path of least resistance fixtures. Right. Like if I have to run an errand, I'm not going to be like, oh, I can't do that now. <laughs> that's why you do Prime Now for everything. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and right now, right now, it's it's way, way too much sport on TV because you got the NHL back up and running, and then okay, you, okay, then you okay, got the NFL. Okay. No, I'm going to stop and you, got you right the there. I'm going to stop you right there. Let's not yes. complain about a good thing. Let's not complain. That's like saying that's like during the World Cup being like, oh, there's just too much good soccer on. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say I'm going to stop you right now because the MLB playoffs are dead to me. Oh, they are pretty dead to me, but I have been watching, and the Nationals losing last night did did bring some joy into my life. Well, that's good. That's good. I it's uh, no, no. Let's not talk about baseball. Okay, yeah. <laughs> stay on task here. Okay, let's stay on task. Uh, let's move on and uh, go to Manchester City taking on Everton. So City, they're in the lead uh, right before the break, though. They did have that three three draw against Celtic in the Champions League, followed by their first loss of the season as they fell 2-0 to Tottenham. And the question now is, how will they fare against Everton, who's only lost one game so far? They have the second-least goals allowed, and they're in the fifth spot. And we all know that last year, City did have some trouble against the other teams at the top of the table. Is it going to be the same story this year, though? It's not just that. It's also like this is the time of the year where they started to fall apart. They won their first five last year in such convincing fashion. And then all Yeah, but they not really play. I mean, look at And they who won they their played. first six this year in convincing fashion. But but I, what I'm saying is is after five games last year, people thought City were going to run away with the league. And they finished fourth. Yeah. So this is the time of the year where, you know, things start to happen. Kevin De Bruyne is hurt. And we said they might be able to over. We said they'll probably be able to overcome the loss of Kevin De Bruyne because they are that good. They haven't won since he's gone out. Yeah, but I I still think that playing at home, they're going to bounce back. I also think that Aguero is going to be really hungry after. And, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about how much international form does or does not carry over into club matches and vice versa. But, you know, he had... By his own admission, he was not up to snuff for Argentina. And I think that he's going to come into this match really hungry, playing at home. And I would be, I mean, I, I think he's going to continue and have go from five goals in five matches to six goals in six matches. And I, Maybe I, even I, I, see, I see City winning this despite Everton think... kind of finding some form of late. I don't think Sergio Aguero was to blame for Argentina not doing well. But I mean, no, I, I agree. I agree. And but I, I and think I that he's this, still going to be hungry nonetheless coming off a frustrating off the, international break. I based this off the one headline that I saw about that game, which just said Sergio Romero and Marcos Rojo to blame for or at fault for Argentina's mm. loss. And I just nodded my head and said, yep, yep. that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> no, I mean, and. Looking at it, too. I mean, that was hilarious, by the way. The commentator that said that Aguero should just disappear. Um, that was pretty <laughs> funny. But, okay. Inter Valencia. Did you see Inter Valencia get chased off the field? Yes. Oh that was amazing, too. He tried to outrun the cops on a stretcher, <laughs> he basically. Yeah. He successfully yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah. No, so I wanted to, to touch upon City last season and this season as far as who they played in those opening games. Uh during last season, they beat West Bromwich Albion, a Chelsea team in disarray, Everton under Martinez, who leaked like a Swiss cheese. I don't know. Uh, and then they beat Watford and but Crystal Palace. It doesn't Palace. leak, but it has holes. Uh, yeah, it has going yeah, there, but yeah. it doesn't leak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you made a good point about the clubs they beat, even if your simile was kind yes. of crap. <laughs> it leaked like a tent in a refugee camp. There we go. Oh, no, yeah. you, 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 that was more accurate, but yeah. also more inflammatory. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's sad. It is what it is. Uh, but, I mean, looking at those teams, you know, and then this season they beat Sunderland, Stoke, West Ham, who's been awful, United in the Derby, and then Bournemouth and Swansea. Wow. 
So, I mean, they've had a pretty easy schedule. But, all right, yeah, no, at, when you look back on it, because when you look back on it, you thought, well, first of all, Sunderland didn't, no, they didn't give them any problems. Um, but it was 1-1 at one point, that game, right? Oh, I have to I think check so, back whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the Stoke yes, yes, and, the it was. Stoke and West Ham That was games. the McNair own goal that decided that one. Right, right. So the Stoke and West Ham games, like at the time you were like, oh, these teams might give them a fight. So now in hindsight, those those games look a lot easier than they were. But remember, West Ham came roaring back on them. You're right, you're right, you're right. City haven't been playing that well. You're right. And no Kevin De Bruyne. Yes. Well, we'll get we'll get to score predictions. Yeah, I wrote yeah. mine down, so I wrote mine down already, but I don't have access to that sheet. Oh, no, I do. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. But I, I feel like Everton has done well, though, under Ronald Koeman. He's really shored up that defense that was so poor last season, and I'm expecting them to give City a fight. Then we got Arsenal against Bob, Bob Bradley and Swansea. So uh, the first American manager in the Premier League, uh, I'm going to give you two a second to celebrate. Oh, wow. Oh, I just took a drink. Yeah, that was... I took a drink. <laughs> okay, you took a, you took a wait, drink. Wait, was that a celebratory drink or what, one that makes you sad to see him crash out? <laughs> no, it was it, it, it was a it was a timed... It was just a well-timed drink. But I think Bob Rowe is going to do a fantastic job in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I still think Arsenal are going to win this match, but I I think that on the whole, he's going to have... A good time of it and i don't know heck maybe he'll grind out a draw he's used to playing as the underdog <laughs> i mean the guy's done the guy's been successful everywhere he's been he i remember speaking to a bunch of english people after the 2010 world cup and they they all said i think the manager who did more with less more than anybody else in this tournament was bob rowley yeah um and i mean the only reason that he ended up leaving the Egyptian national team. Well, maybe not the only reason, but a primary one was just like political turmoil therein. You know, no, that and, was the reason. Yeah, that was <laughs> that the was the reason. Yep. <laughs> because he took them within a game of the World Cup, and then he, um, and then he goes to La Harve, where he almost gets them promoted. You know, they were and and that was one of those situations where it was like La Harve like needed to like score like. Or like needed to win by like eight goals. It, like it was one of those on the last day of the season. Like okay, you're pretty much done. But mathematically, like if you overturn the goal differential and you win by like nine goals, they'll actually get promoted. And they won by like seven. They actually Jeez. like they did it. Like they like it's like one of the like remember in 2012, United if they were to get the same result as City would have needed to win by like eight yeah. in order to overcome them on goal differential, and they won one nil. Like. Bob Rowley's team actually scored a bunch of goals in that game. Well, don't forget uh, his two season with Stubbick too in Norway. Yeah, yeah, he got them in the Europa League. So, mm-hmm. like, I think he's act. Yeah, he. No matter where he goes, he's been successful, and I think this will be no different. Yeah. Except for when he was at Chivas. Okay. <laughs> Although that you want to point you want to point out all the negatives. Yeah, that is a, yeah, that, that's a tough job though. But the question is: Is Arsenal playing as well as we think they are? Elliot? Uh, I would say the answer is yes. Um, Are they? I, I think, yes. You're not going to consider that win against Burnley as extremely lucky? Well, oh, no. I mean, like, we had a lot of luck coming into that. The one where your offsides guy kicked kicked the ball into his own hands and hit it into the net, and somehow the referee just said, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was hoping that you guys would forget about no, that. No, that was yeah, the no, most horrendous goal, goal everybody's ever. Everybody's getting calls this year the way that United <laughs> used to get calls for 20 years, but we're not getting them anymore. Uh, Don't yeah, that's that's the Jose them. Mourinho factor. You can't cry too much about that. <laughs> we're not getting them anymore. I mean, that's the Sorrell factor. Arsenal are... All right, so the Burnley game notwithstanding, right? We were lucky to take all three points from that match. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, this Arsenal team is playing together really well. I think that the Mustafi... The, so the first thing I'll say is the Shkodron Mustafi and Laurent Koscielny partnership is working phenomenally well at the back. And I don't think we've even seen Mustafi come close to settling into his fullest comfort zone yet. Uh, I Marcus think Rashford, that... Marcus Rashford this week said that... Um said that Warren Koscielny was the best defender he's ever played against. So that's high praise for a guy who also he torched for two goals in his Premier League debut. 
Yeah, and also, like, Marcus Rashford, love, yeah, okay, he's a great talent, but he's not been playing that long. This That's is, true. This is not somebody who's gone up against PK in his prime, right? But anyway, I love Lauren Koscielny. He's great. But, uh, but I think that the center-back partnership is a cornerstone of the success of this team, combined with depth at center defensive midfielder right which is obviously you know something that we need <laughs> given injuries but i i think that having shaka and kazorla and th- that's the other thing that's encouraging to me is that i think that shaka and kazorla's partnership is not at its it is not at its best yet but it is extremely promising and successful in the same way that i think that kashelny and mustafi's partnership is yeah. and like just from that, you know, building out around that uh, is exciting to me because I don't think that we've seen the best from Arsenal defensively and in terms of controlling the pace of the game in the midfield, and yet we've still seen them be able to do that. Even again, we were somewhat lucky against Burnley, but uh, this, this is an Arsenal team. I. T- I don't think that I'm willing to say that we have as good a shot at the title as we did last year. I mean, we really screwed the pooch on that one, but what else is new? Um, but th- this is a promising team. Um, I think that they're, you know, five league form, five consecutive wins. Are they a little lucky to have that? Yes, but are they deserving of being said to be in great form? Also, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casorla, he came out and said uh, Alexis Sanchez is his favorite teammate. How about that? Un- unsurprising. How about it? <laughs> yeah, that's a non-story if I ever heard it. Um, yeah, I mean, Arsenal, yeah. I, I don't think they'll have any problem with Swansea. It's going to take... Yeah. Bradley a while before he gets things going there, but uh, I don't know if they got it in them to really challenge for the title. We'll we'll have to see. Do you think there's some, you know, would you would you want to know what happens with Wenger after the season? Do you think that could actually be a little bit of a distraction? Especially because England isn't hiring a manager yet. Yeah, I mean, ooh, some ooh. yeah city. I okay. First of all, let me before I say anything else. Let me say I would love to see Arsene Wenger manage England. Um, and let me also say I do not think it's going to happen uh, because. And actually, this is another thing that we've touched on previously: is you know when when Wenger doesn't have to be pressed about transfers, he might just love it. But then uh, we've also right, but here's another about, question. Uh, I hate to interrupt. Yeah, actually finish, and I'll raise it afterwards. Uh, well, I was just going to say, we've also talked about the amount of media scrutiny that the England manager is under, and I'm not sure that Wenger wants to throw himself <laughs> under that bus. He would hate that. He would hate well, it so much. everybody else under the bus. Right yeah. Anyway, well, all right, not as go, much ahead. As go ahead. Um, well, so yeah, you say the, the media scrutiny, and, and we always talk about how England just needed, not only do they need a different manager, but maybe a foreign manager, and at this point, Wenger almost is the perfect person because he's foreign, but not because he's, you know, been in England for 20 something years now. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, you know, he's, he knows the premier league inside and out. He knows all the players, but you know, if he wanted to come in, you need a forward thinker. You need someone that comes in the way Jurgen Klinsmann came into the United States and said, we need to change things. And you know what? Change takes a while. And after three years, everybody was ready to kill Klinsman because change wasn't immediate enough. And he's been so patient that now it's paying off. And I think Wenger would would be that kind of thinker. But at the same time, when the media scrutiny gets to him and, and not gets to him, but starts piling up, yeah. Wenger's the kind of guy that would be, you know, be like, look, I'm not going to deal with this. Like, I've got to rep, like, I have success on my side. I've had success at this. Yeah. But, can he say that? Because he hasn't won the league in twelve years, and I, so, I don't care. His his pedigree is. He's won three league titles. He's won the FA Cup a few times, and he won it two times recently. So give him credit for that. But other than that, like, is he the most successful manager? Like, can can he sit there and say to the English media, like, I I won the opportunity to do this my way because I've been successful. 
Yes, I think he can say that. I don't think that of his generation, he will ever come close to, you know, Sir Alex. Maybe close, but I I think it's clear that Sir Alex will always hold up that mantle higher than Arsene Wenger. And I'm totally willing to admit that. I nonetheless think that he's one of the most accomplished managers who is currently you know, managing anywhere in world football. And I do think that he's earned the right to say that. But I'm going to give a grain of salt because I think that he's earned the right to say that coming into a new position. But given at Arsenal, it's a very different story, right? So I think that, and, you know, you can try to poke holes in this if you want, but I, I think that it's very different saying, I deserve to continue to be given this chance at Arsenal, even though we've had a league title drought Versus I've just taken over my first national team management position. I deserve to be given a chance based on my success in the past. So like those two things to me, even though he's still it's leaning on the same pedigree, those are two very different statements in my book. Yeah. And I mean, whoever takes over England is going to have a, like we said before, fairly easy time getting there because their group stinks but it's like once they're there then it's really well then you're gonna lose your job (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i'm I'm saying that wenger might actually you know i would give them a pretty good shot at getting somewhere if wenger took over and he'll have ample time he might have to i mean if can he combine i don't see him combining arsenal and england for a couple of months that seems unlikely but definitely i mean the one question i have also though is that is he even willing to go to a place where his job isn't automatically guaranteed you Mm. know like is that something that he's even willing to do right because he i mean he's been untouchable at arsenal and many people say wrongly so in terms of his tenure there and i'm not i'm not sure that he has a thick enough skin to go into a position that as we've said is totally under the microscope has had tons of turnover in the recent past you know big sam's uh, idiocy notwithstanding mm-hmm. and i'm i'm not sure that he's ready to step in to that kind of intense do or die atmosphere but i i don't know I, i've never met the man yeah they should have sticked with sven that's that's all i gotta yes say. yeah they they, they they really should have yeah it's crazy because he's sven and like he's become a character of himself right now but they should have yeah no he's enjoying life in china now so good for him that's all i gotta say then uh sunday we're gonna glance over those games uh what do we say middlesbrough Watford and Southampton Burnley. We'll, we'll give our Two games I won't watch. Yeah. Uh, then Monday, big, big matchup between Liverpool and Manchester United at Anfield. And Pauly, how are you feeling in, ahead of this one? Oh. Um, I chose to, I'm, like, when I looked at this, I chose to break it down. I broke it down systematically so I would, you know, be able to logically come to a conclusion as to who I think would win this i'm gonna ask you guys the question which one of these two teams has the better players manchester united elliot yeah 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 yeah. no it's it it, it's pretty objective united have the better players when you put them into the team and you put them on the field which team has the better team on the field team play as a team liverpool yeah liverpool (laughs) yeah yeah they, Liverpool are the better team. So what, what's it going to come down to? It's going to come down to the managers. Which team has the better manager? Liverpool. Ooh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I and it's not go. even close. It's not <laughs> even close. How much better their manager is than us. And I'm going to choose to ignore the fact that he's complaining that today he came out and complained and bitched about the festive period schedule, which is classic foreigner coming into England complaining you know don't sign up for an english job if you don't want to deal with the festive period it's not even close how much better of a manager he is than jose Mourinho. and you'll get my prediction later but that's how i feel about this although i feel like this is a potential 
game where, well, Pogba could really step up. I feel like he's getting pissed enough that he's going to step up. Did you see? Did like you see Hulk. Pogba's goal against the Netherlands? Yes. Did Did you see the goal that Pogba scored from about thirty five yards out against the Netherlands? It was a really, I did really not. good. It was good. Yeah, he took a shot from about thirty yards out and boomed it into the side netting. And I tweeted, "United fans have seen Pogba do that about seventy times already this year, except none of those have ever gone on target." And so it was like, oh, he did it for France. Then I found out this was the first time he did that for France from that distance in 60 attempts. And I was like, oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> like, geez. And I was like, now he just, now he thinks he can do it. So he's going to keep doing it for United, but like he really can't do it. No, no we'll see. But I, I think he's going to step up. And I think this is a, a game where Slatan is going to just soak it all in and, play his heart out. I think I'm so scared that, that Mourinho is just going to get this horribly wrong again. Oh, oh, with, okay. How do you think he's going to line up the team? I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. In all honesty, <laughs> because of, and I, I hate when people get picked because of, not because of what they used to do and not what they can do. And, and sometimes Sir Alex used to kill us with that when he selected gigs or skulls when he should, well, never skulls, but selected gigs when he shouldn't have. But I think Rooney should be on the field because that guy brings it whenever he plays at Anfield. And he scored there last year. Um, I don't want him playing centrally. I think Juan Mata should play centrally. I almost think think you should go with a 4-3-1-2 and and let let the left back and Antonio Valencia provide you with the width. Anfield's a tiny pitch anyway. So uh, pack the middle with Herrera, Rooney, and Pogba. Play Mata. Uh, Rashford and Ibrahimovic up front, uh, and let Daly Blind and and um, Antonio Valencia provide you with the width. Obviously, Mata is going to drift around. Rooney's going to drift around. So you're still going to, you know, you're not going to be exposed on the wings and everything. Obviously, that'll never happen. But that's how I would do it. I want Rooney on the field, but I also want Mata to be in his best position. Yeah, I think Mata has played well enough to sort of yeah, des- deserve definitely. that now. Um, and and I want Rashford in his best position and not exiled out on the left where he can't be as effective as he could be if he was stretching the field, playing in the middle, and creating space for Mata to slide balls into for Mata and Rashford and uh, Ibrahimovic behind them. Yeah, but what if you put Rashford on the right against left back James Milner? All right, left back James Milner seems to be working out for Liverpool, so like. <laughs> I don't like up but how down. but how much has he done defensively that's I'm very curious to see how many challenges he's done and how successful he's been he's done enough he played, prob- he played there against Tottenham he played yeah. there against Mars like he's done enough there's probably a way to look up those stats but I'm not going to do it right now but I want to see Rashford against Milner in a one-on-one situation preferably with the ball coming over the top so it's a race because we all know Rashford is going to kill him if that yeah, if it comes to that in a foot race, he's going to kill. So yeah, hopefully Mourinho can get his selection right. Like I said, I think uh, Ibra is going to have a big, big game. He loves these types of games, and we'll get to the scoring prediction in just a little bit. But first, we got to go through some other games, and we'll start up with Chelsea against Leicester. Oh, so we're on the score. Yes. What are you talking? About? <laughs> Yes, we are now at the point where we're picked the scores. Uh, quick update on the points total. Elliot, you're in the lead, 57 Ooh. points after you got five games and the result for Sunderland against West Brom, correct? Not a banner week for me. Shocker that you got West Brom, correct? Um, <laughs> Paul, you had you picked three correct um, results. That's like worse than Seb. Hey, that's I, like worse than Seb's average. I usually pick the most amount of games right, as far as you've done that twice. You've done that. Nah, twice. I've done what? it plenty of times. Uh, I also <laughs> had five correct games, plus I got the uh, scoreline in uh, the Watford Bournemouth game. So I'm at 41 points. Paul, you're at 55, and Elliot's in the lead with 57. So slowly but surely, I'm coming for you. Uh, Chelsea Leicester. This is this is a hard one to start out on. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert here. The entire week is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Every game is like next to impossible to pick. 
Oh. And I'm going to give you advice that I shouldn't give you, but factor in it's the week after an international break and nothing ever makes sense that week. Mm. And no one keeps a clean sheet anymore, apparently. Uh I've heard that once or twice. You know that one already. (laughs) Ah, Chelsea 3-1. Chelsea 2-1. I already wrote down my picks for my column, so I got to stay consistent with that. I say the... I'm, I'm... Reading a lot into that EFL Cup game, I go 2-2. Mm. I think full-strength Leicester gets a result against not good Chelsea because let's not overrate a freaking 2-0 win against Hull. <laughs> That's why I have them conce- conceding once. Uh, Bournemouth <laughs> against Hull, and Mike Thielen has now signed on as the permanent manager. Uh, he was the interim manager after Steve Bruce left three weeks before the season started. He's not got the job on a permanent basis until the end of the season, at least. So uh, we'll see if that has any effect. I don't think it will in this game. Bournemouth, 2 nothing. Woo! Jack Wilshere uh, with a goal. Let's go with that, yeah. too. Yeah. I... Do they keep a te- clean sheet? I'm not sure they do. 2-1 to Bournemouth. Nope. Hull sucks. Um... Well, I said 1-0. 1-0 to Bournemouth. And we got Arsenal against Swansea. Bob Bradley making his first appearance as manager in the Premier League. But it's going to end in a 4-1 defeat. Woo! Whoa. I, I, boy. That makes me want to go high, but I'm still going to stick to my 2-0 prediction. 2-0 to the Arsenal. Feel a lot better about my prediction now. I said, I said Bradley, great manager for Swansea. It's going to take him. Uh, Arsenal playing not nearly as well as we think they are. It's going to take Bradley a little bit longer to uh, to get going. And this is the time of the year where Arsenal play well. Two 0 mm-hmm. Clean sheets there. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Manchester City, Everton. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this yeah, is a, this I, is a tough one. I, I I have such a hard time believing in City against the top teams because what we saw last season and what we saw against Tottenham. But at the same time, I don't feel like Everton is on the same level as Tottenham. Yeah. But they don't allow a lot of goals, so I'm gonna go a one-one draw. Hmm. Uh. Ah, do Everton have a goal in them against City? I think they do. Two to one, Manchester City. Oh, Polly is in dire straits, it would seem. <laughs> okay, so Polly's computer just froze up. So Okay, so we'll we we'll, we can just read his out as we coast out through the end of this. Uh, I guess so. I'll do the fill in on the or do you want to do the fill in on the sheet there? Um, yeah, I can do that. Although yeah. Paulie said that his picks are posted, and I don't see they them are posted. probably up on the site. Let's double check here. Today's cornerkit.com. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Premier League preview. Let's see Managing our technical difficulties. Yes, and talking and talking. <laughs> uh, let's see. He's it's an got... important part of a yeah, podcast. He, yeah, I'm exactly. Back, by the way. Oh, there you are. Hey! That was just a very weird thing that just happened. Um, but now I got your review. computer let you down. That seems not con- like I'm getting a new one. Not that I'm a new one. I am getting a hey! new one. Hey, uh, what game st- are we on? Are you sticking with the Mac or are you going PC? Yeah, but it's a new Mac. Okay, cool. What game are we on? We are still on Manchester City Everton. I said one one draw. Elliot said two to one Manchester City. I believe I said two nil to Man City. They're at home. They'll get it done. Uh, I like Ronald Coleman. I like that Everton team, but. Uh, they've been struggling recently. They've, they haven't, they, they've like, they, I think we saw what Everton's going to be. They're going to be a good team that can, that can hang around with good teams, but every so often you're going to see some mind bogglingly frustrating games from them. And this one, they're just, they're not as good as city. Yeah. And then we go to Stoke against Sunderland. Rough, rough start to the yeah, season boy, for, this is a, for both teams. Really rough well, the start. Question is, the question is, did Stoke 
turn a turn the table. Um, no. Did Stoke turn things around by getting that one-one draw at Old Trafford, or was that just United were bad slash unlucky? Uh, bad slash very unlucky. Yeah, I said the same thing. I just went one-one. I think their badness cancels each other out. Yeah, they're still both looking for the first win of the season. Oh, this is yeah. I mean, could. Mm. I don't know. Could home field advantage play some part in this one? I don't know. Yes, absolutely. And Stoke will show their class and they will win this game. It's going to be a big relegation six-pointer, even though we're in (laughs) mid-October. Yeah. Uh, And they're both looking like they're going to go down, too. You guys take forever. I know. I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Um, Two to one, Stoke. Two nil Stoke. Although Jermaine Defoe, Jermaine Defoe, oh, I'm still going to stick with two nil. Dang it, Seb! If you get this one right and Jermaine Defoe scores the lone Sunderland goal, I'm going to be so mad. Oh, I'm going to sing his name. <laughs> sing his I will name. never, I will never sing that man's name. <laughs> okay, then we got West Brom going up against Tottenham. Um, Spurs, they should be able to. Yeah, they have enough to even if West Brom does the most boring, <laughs> they try to mug it and be super boring. Um, three nothing Tottenham. You start to wonder why Seb doesn't pick the scores of any games correctly, and then you look at his predictions, and it's oh, come on, <laughs> come on. I'm a little bit colored right now with the NHL coming on back on, and we've just seen so many goals, um, so that might play a part. And why I pick high scoring games, but hopefully I'll be right. We'll see. We'll see. So, yeah. Elliot, are you going 1 1 or 1 0 this week for, for West Brom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Spurs are going to be able to unlock them. By how much? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go 2 0 to Tottenham. Uh, I'm, to pulling, I'm pulling an Elliot and I'm going 1 0 to Tottenham. Woo! Mm. Then we got Crystal. They're gonna mug it up and the they're gonna make it disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it won't be pretty, that's for sure. Crystal Palace, West Ham, that's the last game on Saturday. Mm, Palace showing pretty fine form. West Ham, they've been horrible. <laughs> but I, I feel like West Ham they have quality in the team. They they can't yeah, be they this do. poor. This poor. is the this is their do or die game. Like if they want to make something of their season, they gotta do it in this game. Oh, I, I think that's a little much to say, but they can't play at home, so they gotta be they gotta, <laughs> okay, gotta win their away. Yeah, one one one. Damn it, Seb. Yep, sorry. No, to West Ham win. West Ham win two one. I've got a lot of two ones this week. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, you guys don't realize this, but since the Benteke signing, Crystal Palace not only are playing really well, they've won three of four, they score. And yeah. West Ham what? still haven't figured out how to not let teams score. So, 2 1 to Crystal Palace. Hey, there we go. Then Sunday's matchup there Middlesbrough, Watford. Hmm. I'm smelling another draw. I'm going to go on with another 1-1. I'm not even wasting breath on this game. 3-1 to Watford. Whoa. Middlesbrough suck. Yeah. I'm I'm going to stick with my stick with my number here. I'm going to go 2-1 Watford. <laughs> Consistency if nothing else. Yep. And then Southampton Burnley Southampton at home. That's going to be the decider. One nothing Southampton. Yeah, I think it's about time Forster kept a clean sheet. I'm with you on that, Seb. One nil. I need him to keep that clean sheet. <laughs> I need him to keep that clean sheet because he's playing uh, for my fantasy team this week. Southampton are putting it together. Burnley can't play away from Turf more. Two nil. And Give then us- the last game of the weekend. Liverpool, Manchester United on Monday at Anfield. God, I don't even want to predict this one. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is why this is my least favorite fixture of the year. It's my favorite and least favorite fixture of the year. I mean, do I just try to jinx it and predict Liverpool to win? And then I get happy when United ends up pulling out a late draw or something? Or do just I... Make your, just make your goddamn pick. Two to one Manchester United. Slot on oh, both I goals. You. <laughs> I hate you. Aha. One one draw. Oh, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you guys know how I feel about this game, and I'm not. I'm not doing this. You're not doing I'm it. Not, You're not gonna do it. That's okay. No, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this as as what I did last year when I always had to pick against United because that was the only way they can get any kind of karma. I genuinely feel that they've just got no shot at winning this game. <laughs> and when Liverpool beat United at Anfield. They do not do it by a little bit. They do it by a lot. And I and three nil is is in the cards to Liverpool. Ooh, wow. Wow. Ouch. I'm thinking of that game where Nani headed the ball in the wrong direction. The Dirk Kout hat trick. The the Berbatov game where he scored like right away. Or no, he assisted the Tevez right away and we lost three one. I'm thinking of all these bad Anfield memories and they're all they're all coming up. But I've got a final thought that I'll leave you on the positive when we get to that. So okay. there. Well, it's time, so go ahead. Final thoughts. No, I want to be the yeah. final, final thought. Oh. Oh, oh, you want the last word, do you? All right, Seb, you take us away. Mm, well, I was just – no, I've already said mine. There you go. Yeah, when we were talking about the internationals, I just thought it was hilarious how that commentator went after Sergio Aguero. Why is why why is he not getting more credit? <laughs> I don't know. Just because he's not Lionel Messi. Come on. Yeah. yeah I got nothing for you. Um I mean I it's it's a little too early to say, but I think that one player, even though we've spoken about him, who is playing, eh, he's 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 not a Rashford, right? He's not a Rashford, but Alex Awobi is just impressing me up and down. Even in Arsenal's previous frustrating Burnley match, he just is so dynamic, and I'm really excited to see where he goes this season. Oh, I gotta say too, Aston Villa hired Steve Bruce as manager. Good for Brucey. Hey, man, you already had your final thoughts. There's Sorry. no final, final thoughts. Sorry, my second <laughs> final thought there. Good on him and good for Villa. Now uh, things are going to start looking up. Came across this the other night. Uh, updated top shirt sellers in the Premier League. Number one, obviously, a new Manchester United signing. Seb, who would that be? Paul Pogba. You are correct. Who's number two? Slatan Ibrahimovic. You are correct. And squeezing into the top ten, who is it? David De Gea. Marcus Rashford, oh, David De Gea is number six, but Marcus Rashford squeezes into the top ten. Yes. Which So it's not just me who loves the kid who is England's best striker. No, no, thanks, thanks to all the Asian fans. Um, <laughs> when I was at Old Trafford, I saw one guy, he had, I'm not kidding, he had six jerseys. On at the same time? No, he was, was buying, he, he, like was, built? he was buying six jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't get over Seb just went thanks to all the Asian fans. Yes. It just makes me think of that Kanye song where he's just like, shout out to French people. <laughs> no, shout out to Asian people for buying a lot of jerseys. I did my part. I got my Ibrahimovic one hanging right here. I have my Pogba one hanging in the closet. I am part of that number one. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it was cool to see, though, because, I mean, they, they sold out uh, both Pogba and... Slatin jerseys when I was there, so it doesn't surprise me at the, at the, that they were one and two. De Gea is number six. Rashford I mean, that is that that is. I mean, where is the next goalkeeper on that list? You know what I mean? I mean, also, I, who buys a goalie jersey? I don't know. My friend, is, my friend has a Hugo Lloris jersey, but like, I played goalie. Like, I was always a big Tim Howard fan, a big David De Gea fan. Like, I would never buy one of their jerseys. No. Nope, that is true. And with that, we're going to say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, today's CK is the main Twitter handle. I'm Seb Noren. Paulie's 
P. Questel WFAN, and Elliot is Keats was better. So we'll talk to you again after match day eight. Hopefully we'll be in a good mood. We'll see. Until then, have a good one. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.